The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Zion Christian Academy, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, Coach's Corner, Fast Stop Convenience Stores, Lee Company, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. Specializing in orthopedic injuries, their ortho-quick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. Sports and beyond. It's on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Ten minutes to the top of the hour here in the Lee Company studio. Coming to you from the front porch sports headquarters of WKOM 1017 FM. Glad to have you guys with us on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, for those of you who stuck around on Facebook, we really appreciate it. That was a uh, that was enlightening. It was, at least. and if you missed any part of that interview with Joseph Wilson, it will be on the podcast later. So check that out. Um, want to tell you about this segment sponsored by Columbia Academy. This segment's brought to you by Columbia Academy. They're scheduling appointments for visits. You can find them online at cabulldogs.org. They have campuses in Columbia and in Spring Hill, so be sure and check them out again. That's cabulldogs.org, Columbia Academy. So, real quick, want to get into We've got Tobias Wilburn coming up to talk. Let's put it this way. We are going to talk about a different conference-slash-division over, in college football. Over the next month. So every day there will be somebody different, including group of five. We'll have we'll talk AAC. We'll talk Conference USA. We'll we'll talk about the Mac and all of those things. We're gonna talk about every conference. And as you listed, the fun belt. And the fun belt and and Mac and Fun Belt gotta be close to each other because that's just gonna be a party the whole two days. Um but we are going to talk about the Big Ten East Division today with Nabas Wilburn from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. But before we get into that, uh, I saw a, a story that a, a Miami gym owner is going to be paying all of the University of Miami's players $500 a month. That's $540,000 over the course of the season. Um, $500 a month just for what? To be able to put their pictures up in the in the gym, I guess. To be able to get them to say stuff on mm-hmm. Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, I would think. And yeah, it's. I mean that that's great. I think it's cool. I really do. I, 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 again, this is also though showing that football is going to get the brunt of this. I mean, we all knew that going in. There weren't going to be many volleyball players or softball players out there signing big-time NIL deals. Unless you consider a T-shirt from Barstool. <laughs> uh, 
Big time. Like I said, uh, not going to be signing a bunch of big time. I mean, you're not going to get a bunch of money out of it if you're if you're not a football or basketball player. But it is the best possible way to allow allow high profile kids to make money while in college instead of going to the big baller league or whatever it was that the and you know I don't yeah. I, I don't think. Unless you were really, really misguided, I don't think anybody expected everybody no, no. to get paid. I think this is the most equitable way to do it. It's kind of, you know, it's a little capitalistic. You know, the folks who have the most earning potential will, and those that don't, won't. But, I mean, the option, the opportunity is there for everybody. And I'm not real sure, realistically, what more you could ask for. I don't. I I, I agree completely. Um, Wright's Barbecue. Okay. Handcrafted barbecue to north. Bring handcrafted barbecue to Northwest Arkansas with 100% mm. wood fire. <laughs> Locations in Johnson and Bentonville. Now sponsor the Big Uglies up front. The entire offensive line from Arkansas. Has signed a deal with Wright's Barbecue. I like it. Hashtag built by BBQ. Love it. Yep. That's fantastic. Well, I mean, is there a bet? I mean, the hogs, barbecue. It's the, so I mean, perfect. It, it's, yeah. So perfect. It's, yeah, anyway. Yeah. The question that I wanted to ask you guys, it, <clears throat> over, over the history of college football, who would have made the most money if this were always legal? Like, who would have... Who would have been the guy that that, that everybody would have been after? Um, I mean, my immediate <clears throat> excuse me, my immediate response is probably Tim Tebow. That's exactly who I thought. But I think you also have to consider, say, Tommy Frazier at Nebraska when Nebraska was really rolling like that. I'll tell you who I would have who who. If I were Nike or some other big brand, and I was looking for a college kid. There's no doubt who it would have been. Deion Sanders. Because nobody. Well, here's the thing. Florida State was already doing that. <laughs> that wasn't Pretty where I was going. I was going to say, yeah. I started to say this is almost a concession similar to what Prohibition was. It's like they're doing this anyway. So let's legalize it. Now we can regulate it and maybe even tax it a little bit. Uh, I don't know. But- so, but But, yeah, he would have been. He would have been somebody that would have sold the product, <laughs> no doubt, quite well. You were yeah, Florida State back in that day was. I think yeah. they were just kind of cresting that hill yeah. when Dion was there. I don't think they were really Florida State, Florida State until after. But I think he was that guy. Um, even in college, he was prime time. I mean, mm-hmm. Rocket Ismail top guys. Dion was prime time, but college football wasn't really college football at that point. That's though, true. Either. So, you know, that's that's kind of what made me think Tebow or really <laughs> any high-profile UT kid. Yeah. Uh, Reggie White, Peyton. See, I don't know if, uh, again, Reggie, obviously, the time period, but – yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the Reggie Bushes 
would have been huge. Uh, Matt Leinart probably. Oh yeah, anybody well, from prob- Southern Cal, yeah, or from the Southern Cal area, not necessarily the program. That but- entire Miami team, you know, yeah. the Ed. Um, oh, Ed really? Reed, about Ed anybody, Reed, anybody that was uh, legitimately in the Heisman race would have been somebody that could have sure. pro- could have promoted Manziel. something. Yeah. Manziel would have yeah. would have made millions, I think. But I think over over the period of his career, Tim Tebow would have made more money because one, he was there longer than anybody else because he played all four years. Even though he didn't, he didn't start his freshman year. He was a very vital part of that offense. And the next year, he won the Heisman. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. But yeah, I, I was just curious what you guys thought about that because I, as far as a marketing person goes, mm-hmm. you know, Dion would have been. Because I mean, he, he was he was doing the same things at FSU that he ended up doing in Atlanta and Dallas and San Francisco and everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Just uh, tell us who you think at SM underscore TN Sports who would have made the most money. Uh, oh, what an hour! What an hour! We've got more college football coming up. I'm excited about that. Again, uh, this is the last time, or not this week. This week will be the last week that we. Are getting out of here at 10 o'clock on that first hour. So this is the last Wednesday. The last Wednesday. Wild and Wacky Wednesday. Coming up later in the second hour as well. We've got Nevias Wilburn in the second hour. Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Talk Braves, talk sounds, much more. All on the other side of a break. I do want to wish a happy birthday to my grandmother. It is her 81st birthday or 82nd. I'm not sure. But uh, happy birthday, Grano. We've got congratulations that we need to send out at the top of the next hour. We'll do it. Yeah. Congratulations coming up. First thing, this segment is brought to you by Columbia Academy. We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint to the Lee Company Studio right after this. Stick around. Keep your home as comfortable as possible. If you have any issues with your air conditioner, electrical, or plumbing systems, call Lee Company. Our techs use visual findings and other technology tools to add transparency and clarity. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on the roof. We're here 24-7, so if you need us, call us. Lee Company, call 931-548-4448 today or schedule your appointment at LeeCompany.com. That's LeeCompany.com. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Tennessee Sports Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yow. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Brought to you by 
Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Coming to you from the Lee Company studio here on the banks of the West 7th. West 7th, which is rough and rocky. We told you about it last week. And it's not getting any better anytime soon, unfortunately. It is what it is. But it has been noticed. It has been noticed. So, there's that. Uh, Excited about this next segment as we get started on our college football preview journey. And no better way to start it than visiting with Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's Nabias Wilburn. He's going to Tell us a little bit about what he knows uh, concerning the Big Ten East and Penn State and all of those things. So, uh, good morning, Nabias. Thanks for coming back on the show, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, man. I always love talking to Get some south in my life, Danny, and I, I miss down south. Uh, you know, I'm doing the Big Ten life. I uh, miss my SEC and ACC people, so good to hear y'all voices today, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we appreciate it, and we're glad to kind of give you your down south fix a little bit, Nebias. But um, yeah, man, I should have sent me some sweet tea and some grits, man. You know, but it's all good. <laughs> not, red eye gravy, baby. We don't get that up here, man. Sweet tea and grits. You don't want them together, do you? Not together, but just later. You know? Okay, okay, got you, got you. Just making sure. Yeah, a little fried catfish, you know, the whole nine, baby. You know how we do it. <laughs> you can't find any of that in Happy Valley, I don't guess. No, no, no. They got the Berkeley ice. They got the Berkeley creamy though. But they, you know, good ice cream and no, no uh, sweet tea, no good grits, no red eye gravy, none of that good stuff. No catfish. So, it's you know, not, it is what it is, man. I, no bueno. I, it's not. I guess um, that's not the only thing they're looking for in Happy Valley after a, you know, obviously. Last college football season was interesting for everybody, but Penn State going four and five overall and three and three in whatever it is that they did in the Big Ten. You know, how do you? It's can you have a feel for what this thing looks like this time around coming off of well, last year? Well, first of all, last year they started off zero and five. So what they did, they played an eight-game schedule with the ninth bonus game was the crossover matchup between East and West. They ended that game playing against Illinois, which, by the way, was one of the weirdest games I ever saw. There was, it, you know, by then it was December, and if you know anything about Central PA, there's a whole lot of snow around that time. So, literally, Beaver Stadium filled with snow, no fans. Like, the stands were filled with snow. I have a good picture. I'll probably send Mo later if you guys can see how it weird it was, and it was like a 45 to 15. I mean, Penn State obliterated them towards the end. Basically, they had a lot of injuries. Uh, Michael Parsons opted out, who obviously ended up being a first-round draft pick for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he was their star defensive player. He opted out, which was a wise decision. He, was, he, he did what he needed to do, and you can respect that. Um, Journey Brown, who was supposed to be their top running back, um, had a heart condition, which ended his career. Noah Kane got injured on the third play of the season against Indiana in a game that Penn State should have won, lost it on a play where Michael Penix Jr. He, he didn't score the touchdown, but nonetheless, he got credit <laughs> for it. Um, I, I talked to LeVar Erickson about it. He was like, hey, we shouldn't have been that close. And, you know, that kind of puts it into perspective. But then after that, 
Ohio State comes to town and Justin Fields, well, he looked like Justin Fields, and Penn State got um, boat race. And they're 0-2, a team that was ranked number seven, all of a sudden 0-2, they're out of any possible playoffs. And then Maryland comes in with Tagovailoa and boat races them. Then from there, they go to Nebraska, which probably shouldn't have been a win. Both teams are 0-4, and they got beat up pretty good in um, Lincoln. Then <laughs> come back, Iowa beat them pretty good. Um, just a deflated team. They finally get their first win on the road in the big house. By the way, it was a weird game. No fans there in the big house. And um, there's a golf course across the street from the stadium. And you could see people playing golf on a golf course with normal park cars for $2,000 a night. So you saw that and he said, it was a tough year. Lots of injuries, lots of mishaps. Um, another issue they had, they didn't have a lot of guys stay in. Also, COVID protocols, they were the only team to play all their games. But that limited them. They had guys in three different locker rooms. It was a weird year. They think they're going to be a lot better. Um, led by receivers Parker Washington and Jahan Dodson. The question for them is really going to be, is can Sean Clifford be the guy who he was in 2019 when they won the Cotton Bowl, beating Memphis and um, sending Mike Novell down to Florida State? Um, if Sean Clifford can be that guy, then, yeah, you're talking about a team that should be a 10-win ball club. If he was like the quarterback he was last year, fumbles, interceptions, just a lot of mishaps. I, I mean, they're not going to start 0-5, although they do have a tough start um, with Wisconsin at Wisconsin. First game back, Wisconsin expected to have a full house. You know it's going to be jumping at Camp Randall. I'm looking forward to being there. And then after that, they got uh, Auburn coming up to um, Happy Valley. I think for the first time in Auburn's history. And so hopefully they'll bring some Milo's with them, if you know what I mean. So. <laughs> well, uh, at least one of the players will be. You can hit Bo Nix up, you know, with the NIL thing. He's a um, he's a Milo's spokesperson. So maybe Bo can hook you up. Hey, we are um, speaking with Nebias Wilburn of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, talking a little Big Ten East. And, you know, we don't talk a lot of Big Ten – and if you're like me, you don't really know who's in what division. So in the East, along with Penn State, you've got Ohio State, Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, Michigan, and Michigan State. How do you see, as you sit here, first week of July, that division shaking out this time around? Is it Ohio State, Penn State, and everybody else? I mean, well, I would say Ohio State, dot, 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 then Penn State. I mean, just to be honest, I mean, basically – you guys know this. There's maybe like three, four teams that are playing a different sport. Obviously, Alabama, Clemson, and I would put Ohio State right in that mix. Dead Notre Dame, UGA is trying to get there. Penn State's on the tier below that. You know, that's that University of Florida tier where you're not quite there. But Penn State's been knocking on the door. The problem is they play Ohio State every year. And they haven't beaten Ohio State in the last few years. So that's been an issue for them, but Ohio State runs it. They run the conference and they run the division. After that, Penn State last year, Indiana looked really good. Can they repeat that? I don't know, um, but they were really good last year. Um, quite honestly, they should have been in the Big Ten championship game, but as we know, the conference changed the rules to allow Ohio State it. Um, You're that right. being said, you know, they, they, say this, they said, hey, you got to win this many games. Well, actually, no, you don't. So, whatever. But anyway, so Maryland's interesting. 
I like Coach Loxley down there. I don't know if they're quite ready to consistently compete. Greg Schiano is back at Rutgers, and um, last year they played Penn State really tough at Rutgers. Who knows what they're going to be this year. But Schiano's a tough coach. I mean, you know, it's his second fit there after some troubles in other places. And if nothing else, he can recruit. It's also very interesting, that game, because Penn State being where it is, you know, Pennsylvania, it's not quite the days of Western PA having Joe Montana and those kind of caliber players coming out anymore, okay? It's, those days are a little different. So it's tougher for Penn State when you only have two major metropolitan areas, Pittsburgh and Philly, to recruit from. So they have to be able to go into New York State. They have to be able to go into the D.C. area. They have to be able to go into Virginia and into Ohio. And a lot of those places are the same places that Maryland and Rutgers are recruiting from. Penn State also has created a pipeline into Detroit. Well, now you're stepping on Michigan and Michigan State's toes. Michigan, you know, it's been a long time since they've been Michigan, if you know what I mean. They, they haven't been that in, I mean, really 15 years, if we're to be honest, you know. And definitely, Harbaugh has not been what people have thought he's been. I like Mel Tucker down in Michigan State, but, I mean, they're at least two recruiting cycles away from truly being a competitor. But they... But they play hard in, in conference, and so we'll see how that goes. And, of course, like I said, Penn State starts the season against Wisconsin. They're always going to be a tough out, particularly at that stadium. Then you get Auburn coming in. Then you get uh, Ball State for a little break before you get into the conference schedule. So it could be a tough one. I think Penn State should finish second. I'm curious to see what Ohio State I means. Obviously, Ohio State talent is ridiculous, okay? We know this, but there's questions at quarterback. Mm -hmm. With Justin Fields leaving, you don't know what they're going to have at QB. Could this be a year where Penn State, if they're on it, like, for instance, Penn State has five guys who are at running back who all have Division One playing experience, including a transfer, John Levitt, from, from Baylor. Their secondary um, has a South Carolina transfer who was pretty solid and it looks pretty good. Um, Penn State's offensive line is going to be a question because it's, it's been a question for the last couple of years, combined with the quarterback having struggles. If they can get the offensive line right, it would be also interesting how they replace Pat Friday at tight end. They got a couple of tight ends they like, but again, you don't know until the game's played. But if you look at the talent that Penn State has, when they play a game, other than Ohio State, and I'm getting into Auburn, I don't really know as much about them as I would like, but other than, I would say, those two, for the most part, when Penn State plays a game in 2021, they will be the most talented on-paper team, other than those two games. Now, how that translates, we will find out. Obviously, you guys are very familiar with James Franklin down there. And this is a year that's a proven year for him. You know, um, Nabas Wilburn with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette visiting with us here. And you mentioned Indiana. Can they sustain it? They've got to feel like just the fact that Tom Allen is back is a victory, I would think. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I got to spend a little bit of time with him virtually last year. Um I get why players like him. He's a believable guy. He's also done a really good job at going down to Florida and Georgia, getting some of those three-star kids who 
you know, are kind of priorities for UGA or UF or Miami, but at Indiana, they're priorities. I mean, that's where Michael Penix Jr. came from, you know. So they are developing it. And Bloomington's a nice – I mean, Bloomington's a nice city. I, I, I like it a lot. I like the camp a lot, nice stadium. They're developing their uh, weight room and facilities. They're a program on the rise. But as you guys know, it is hard to get past that hump. That's one of the reasons why when James Franklin reached the ceiling at Vanderbilt, he left out, and unfortunately, it hasn't really gone so well for Vanderbilt. Obviously, you guys know that better than me, but it's hard to get that get these programs to that next level. You mentioned NIL earlier. I think that could be an area where Indiana could potentially shine. I mean, you got Mark Cuban as an alum. You have a lot of alums who have a lot of resources and money, and that could be a way that Indiana can continue to get kids. But, yeah. Tom Allen staying was a big deal because he really cares about that program. He's also good, like James Franklin is, at raising money. And a school like Indiana, where they've been so invested in basketball, now has to find ways to invest in football. And Tom Allen staying is huge to that program. So that's another way that could be a threat to Penn State. Or it could be a benefit where if Indiana's good and you beat Indiana, it bolsters the resume, particularly as we get into ready to see this college football playoff expanding in the next year or two. Yeah, it's, I think the the big question for Indiana is Michael Penix. You know, unfortunately, coming off his third season-ending injury, and it just yeah. feels like he's always hurt by the end of the year. So, it's, you I mean, know, it's just, I'm sorry, it's his playing style. I mean, he runs. I mean, mm-hmm. look, I, I got to see that guy in person last year. He, he, he's incredible. I mean, I I really thought – I mean, I'm not trying to compare him to Justin Fields. But he wasn't very far from what I saw with my eyes seeing both of them live. And when he – also, too, those guys believe in him. Um, on those last couple drives, he's taking it 75 yards, and it was all him. It was all him. He was doing whatever he wanted to do. In that fourth quarter, when Penn State defensive line was worn down and beaten up, you know, he's out there looking fresh like a like a spring chicken. Um, and his arm is wide. The guy is special. I mean, he really is. But, again, the way that he plays, he takes so much punishment, it's hard for a guy like that to stay healthy. And that will be – that could be a hindrance for him. We'll see how he recovers. We'll see how he handles it, but uh, if he's healthy, he's to be at least one of the top two quarterbacks in the, in the conference, and definitely high up on the list in the country. I, I think you know the the real question here is is number two out of that out of the East, obviously. But if there is a team that could maybe sneak up on some folks in the Big Ten East, who is it? I mean, it's kind of weird. You know, you know college football history, right? Oh, yeah. To say this. But <laughs> it can't be Michigan. <laughs> it, because it's like, it's like, it's weird to say this, like, again, if you have a concept of what, you know, college football was and is, and I guess it's probably weird to mention the name Bo Schimbeffer right now because of thing going on. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, what that program has built and what it's been. And 
I, I got to go there for the first time last year. And even in COVID, you could tell what that program means, even though they haven't been good. They do have some talent. They do have a lot of good players. It could be Michigan. I do think, like I mentioned, Rutgers, their program on the rise. And, um, again, it, Maryland as well. I mean, as long as they got that um, the younger tag of Iola. Yeah, Talia was a was a bad man in high school. I mean, I watched him a couple of times. But Mike Loxley, you know that offense that he that he runs, especially with Talia, is it's it's poised to be one of the the top you know offenses in the conference. And then of course you've got you know you've got to find a new running back. You got to find a new running back. That's really where they're going to struggle. Yeah, that's going to be tough offense. But I mean, you know, with that offense. And their offensive line has improved, but they don't put points on the board, man. Hard not to improve. On the board. I mean, yeah, yeah, they, they 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 had a tough time last year, which was <laughs> one of their things, which which what made, which is what made uh, Tiger Viola's play even more special. Because I mean, there were times when Penn State just had that guy on the ropes, and he would just wiggle his way out, either literally physically breaking tackles or just kind of like slide by and get the pass off or get a couple yards. I mean, he is a unique talent and guys are starting to want to play with him. You could see, you know, they found a couple big time receivers that they probably wouldn't have gotten before. So there is growth there, but again, do they have the depth to compete with the Ohio state? And again, I, I think Penn state, should be back to what you expect in state. I mean, you got to remember, I mean, before last season, they were in the college, not the college bowl, but they were in a New York Six Bowl for like, I think, three of the last four years before that. And even the other year, they went to pretty good bowls. So, I mean, James Franklin has really built a good thing there. Last year was an aberration. Penn State, on average, they should be a program that regularly finishes in the top 15. And maybe every fourth year, be a team that competes for a national championship. I don't think they're going to be that this year, but they should be in that top 10 to 15 range. Ohio State's obviously Ohio State. Can Maryland sneak up in there? Maybe, but it's tough when you don't have that depth, and that's what they're missing. But Loxley's got it going, and people are talking about what he does on offense. He's a he's a very unique coach, and also, too, um, a real champion in adversity. I've got to put that out there as well. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think this is going to be an interesting year in the Big Ten. Obviously, coming off of a a very weird year last year and, and COVID and whatnot, with the the conference only schedule, getting back to non conference play, this is going and getting fans back in the stands. That's going to be a big deal too. So, uh, it's oh good. yeah, I, it was I got real quick. It was weird during the game. So the first it was just a thousand people that were allowed. It was conference rule. And they did that because every state had different laws, and they tried to make it equal. But towards the end, there were no fans at the games. It was it was strange. It was very strange. And so I know people in Happy Valley, all the stadiums around are going to be happy. Also, too, the businesses are going to be happy because, like, State College lost over 150 to $200 million in tourism dollars from not having fans in those games last year. And that's, you know, hotels. Well, these hotels are charging two, three hundred bucks a night. You're talking about restaurants that were empty. So, like, yeah, you you have a Penn State game and Happy Valley, and the streets are empty. 
Um, literally, I could stay in my hotel, which is across the street from where the visiting team would stay. I could wait for the team bus to leave and just follow the team bus into the stadium. So that's how it was. Or, like, it's not like previous where fans would line up by where the team buses go and throw things at the bus and the whole thing. So it was not just the game, but the whole atmosphere that the cities were quiet. Now you're going to see money hopefully coming back in, fans coming back in. Get vaccinated out there if you're not already. So you can participate in it because, uh, hey, we, we need to get this stuff back going because last year was – we don't want that again. No question. Um, Nabias Wilborn with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette visiting with us here um, discussing Big Ten Eastern Division. Nabias, before we let you go, I got one logistics question. I know that a lot of college football was covered via Zoom Last year, I know that when we talked to you, you were in your first season covering Penn State, and you really hadn't been able to talk face-to-face with a lot of the folks that you were dealing with. Has that changed since then, or is there any timeline as to when you're going to be able to actually get some FaceTime with Franklin and some of the folks you're working with? Yeah, so actually, it's was. I still have not met James Franklin or really too many people involved with the program other than the SIDs. I covered all the games, but everything was via Zoom. Um, in two weeks, um, Big Ten Media Day will be in Indianapolis. I will be there, and that's supposed to be in person. So that, assuming, again, we don't know, but assuming everything holds with the variants, all the other stuff, we'll be there in person, and that'll be hopefully my first time actually meeting James Franklin. I may even get to shake his hand. You know, who knew? But um, as far as that Penn State, we think there will be an in-person media day when camp starts. They have not officially announced that as of um, whatever time it is right now we're talking. Um, If that happens, then maybe during the season there'll be the usual availability. Franklin normally does his stuff on Tuesday, and then they'll have players on Wednesday and you get, like, an assistant coach on Thursday. Those may be in person again, but as of now, we don't know. We're hoping, and we don't know. They may require reports to be vaccinated. We don't know yet, but we're hopeful. Otherwise, it may just be Zoom for a little bit longer. So as of now, it has not changed yet. There you go. That's a, a, Good luck. <laughs> I, I know last year was tough, so good luck. Hopefully this year will be a little bit easier. Nabias, thanks so much for taking some time with us and uh, bringing your insight to the Big Ten East. We really appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks anytime, guys. Nabias Wilburn of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joining us this morning on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Glad to have him and his insight. It's uh, Michigan, huh? I don't think so. Just, just, uh, it's just me. I don't think so. But, hey, who am I? What do I know? We'll, well see. It, it's just crazy to hear Michigan in sneaking up. Th- there's terms. that. That They have to be the, the sleeper. Yeah. Uh, them in Minnesota, apparently. So, from the other side. Uh, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we have uh, a little Braves talk. Talk about that for just a few moments. So, Stick around. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Back to the Lee Company studio right after this.
Fast Stop Markets is a full-service, family-owned convenience store chain located in 14 locations throughout Middle and West Tennessee. For those in our listing area, you can find them in Columbia, Centerville, Lawrenceburg, Spring Hill, Dixon, and White Bluff. Fast Stop partners with wholesale fuel brands like Shell, Marathon, and Exxon, delivering a consistent customer experience that is fast, friendly, and clean. If it's not already, it will soon become your go-to store to shop in town or on the road. Fast Stop Markets is proud to be keeping you moving in Tennessee. about it's southern middle tennessee sports today once again with mo here's chris welcome back in to southern middle tennessee sports day presented by mid-tennessee bone and joint chris yamo Patton, intern to lawson smith on the video he's got us back up i think <laughs> okay all right. we're good coach mike on the buttons and controls and whatnots coming to you live from the lee company studio right here in Columbia, Tennessee, West 7th, on the airwaves of WKOM 1017 FM. Most stretching out. Uh, still waking up. Still waking up, and this rain outside isn't helping any. It's but, um, Yeah, it's drizzling out there. I've been watching it but since about midway the last segment. You won't have to be stretching to wake up starting next week. Hashtag right? get your sleep on. Unless sleep you in. have a four-month-old. Well, hey. I don't. <laughs> um, the congratulations that we had intended to address in the last segment we are going to address now. There is, as is so often the case, a fantastic article on The Athletic by Jill Rexrode this morning regarding um, longtime voice of the Vanderbilt Commodores, Joe Fisher, and um, yesterday – it was announced that Joe has accepted a news and communications role at, much as it pains me, Tennessee Tech. So, um, Joe is back in the saddle, and i um, really happy to hear that. Director of News and Communications, according to the tweet that, Tennessee Tech put out, and, you know, the MTSU graduate um, heading up I-40, so. I, I think it's I think it's fantastic. I'm so happy for him, and I'm so happy that, that Tennessee Tech is going to get, you know, get a guy of his caliber to do Oh, without question, doing. man. I mean, again, um, sitting here reading this article between breaks, um, Tim Corbin says, you hear Joe Fisher, you hear that voice, you're hearing Vanderbilt. He's synonymous with every Vanderbilt event you can think of. And, you know, Rex Road really sets it up. From some of Jim Foster's powerhouse women's basketball teams of the mid-'90s to Worf Scott's home run to beat Tennessee in the ninth inning in 2003 and give Corbin's young program an SEC tournament berth and, and just lays out everything. Yeah, every big moment involving – Vanderbilt athletics over the past 30 years, probably Joe Fisher was involved in conveying it to 
to legions of Commodore fans, and and I I just think he is one of the standards in broadcasting in this area, and I'm glad to see him having the the opportunity to do it again. So, congrats to him and and to Tennessee Tech. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, we got to talk about the Braves because we made a commitment to do so. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that is the only reason. That's the <laughs> only reason. Yeah. Um, so the Braves, they've got, as we mentioned during the rundown, they have an 1135 game today in Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh looking to complete the sweep of a three game <laughs> series after last night's two to one victory following an 11 to one outcome on Monday night. The Braves now three games under 500 at 41 and 44. The Pirates are actually inside of 20 games of 500 now at 32 and 53. Um, pre-game will begin at 10:10 on our sister station 103.7 WKRM FM. So it's on now. It won't. It, okay, so it has yeah. begun. That's right. Yeah. Uh, pre-game did begin, I guess, at 10-10. Wasn't listening. Don't really know. I was a little busy at the time. Um, Drew Smiley, 6-3 and three with a 4-4-2 ERA, goes to the bump for the Braves. It'll be Will Crow, East Tennessee native Will Crow, Pigeon Forge, I believe. 1-5 with a 6-2-6 getting the start for Pittsburgh, again, as they look to complete the sweep today. And – trying to help the Braves avoid that sweep will be Jonathan Lucroy, who is getting the start at catcher after coming up from Gwinnett, where he hit 220 with two home runs and 16 RBIs in 31 games. So just what that offense needs, it's more anemia. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe seeing big league pitching again, which I I don't – I'm I'm going to say this mm-hmm. because it just goes to show how bad this Braves offense is, but not that Pittsburgh's pitching has been much big league pitching. Um except against the Braves, apparently. The Braves have scored two runs in this series. Two. Neither of those guys had a winning record when they got went to the bump for Pittsburgh and still don't. So. I will say uh yeah. The guy that pitched last night, he cool, mm-hmm. Chad cool. cool, Chad cool. He's been pretty good at PNC, and he's been really good in the last two months. I think his ERA was sub two five uh, in the last. It's much like Drew Smiley has been. You know, he he had a, a bad start to the season, and that's going to happen. Uh, Drew Smiley goes to the bump tonight in hopes of continuing his. Recent good work. Yeah, uh, he's he's been really good lately, and uh, I mean, we can say, well, Will Crow, he's a, he's a guy that you know the Braves should score some runs against. But, but we said that the last two nights, exactly. So if you if you've not done something since 2018, and you pitch for the Pirates, just pitch in this series, and you'll get it done. Uh, two nights ago, guy gets his first was it first win mm-hmm. since 2018, and then last night. First time that Cool has gone five plus innings with seven strikeouts or more since since twenty eighteen. So there you go. Yeah. Um, This day in Braves history on July seventh, nineteen seventy four, the Cubs 
Snap, Buzz Capper. Remember Buzz Capper? You don't. That who? Uh, no, no. Coach Mike might. Um, the Cubs snapped Buzz Capper's nine-game winning streak, defeating the visiting Braves 4-3. to The 26-year-old all-star right-hander set a franchise record for consecutive victories en route to a 16-8 and mark to end the regular season. To end the season, excuse me. <laughs> and an MLB best ERA of 2.28. So I mean, there weren't there weren't any playoffs for them that year. There were no playoffs for them that year or for any other year after until 1982. So yeah. Speaking of Gwinnett, the Stripers one P host the Sounds in the second game of a six game series tonight, beginning at six oh five Central. Sounds are 34 and 19 after last night's 8 nothing victory. It was their fourth shutout of the season. Ethan Small picking up the win, his first at the AAA level, going six scoreless. That was Nashville's fourth shutout of the season. Jamie Westbrook's Westbrook, singular, with a pair of home runs, and Zach Green hit another. Um, Bryce Wilson said to get the start for Gwinnett here this evening. So. He didn't pitch well here last when he was in Nashville, so hopefully he pitches better tonight for the Stripers. We'll see. But that's about all the baseball we need to talk about, isn't it? Well, uh, let's let let's hey. kind of marry some baseball and some wild and wacky. What do you say? Okay. Um. Do we? Do you have any more information on Ryan Weathers' performance last night? You pulled that up. Just that it was five and a third. Five and a third. He gave up four. Four earned runs, two strikeouts, no walks. Got the dub. All of those, all four of his earned runs came in the fifth and sixth innings. Right. He gave up a three-run homer in the fifth and then a solo to Soto in the sixth before before being taken out. But improved to four and two, four on, and the two year. on the year. Yeah. yeah. So. Solid. Second start since coming back up from El Paso. Would love to know if he's going to pitch in Atlanta. That's all I'm saying. I would love to know if in two weeks he's going to be pitching in Atlanta because I would love to go to that to the the, the July 20th game that they're giving away Ronnie's chain <laughs> and be one of the first 15,000 under the gate because uh-huh. I will wear that everywhere, <laughs> just everywhere. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Uh, but, yeah, I – I would just I would love to know if if it's possible that he would be pitching, but we just don't know. Uh, we'll try to keep. Uh, if if you're listening, Kelly or David, <laughs> let us know as soon as you know. Uh, one or, or Greg tips. Yeah, Greg would know. Greg will know. Uh, so uh, one would think that they would let him pitch if he came up for rotation in Atlanta, considering the proximity, but. Who knows? You know, given some of the things that San Diego has done this year, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure that you can apply logic to this. They they are what they are, man. Yeah. Uh, let, let's marry some baseball and wild and wacky because did you see the video of the Diamondbacks fan that dropped his baby, caught the foul ball? Well, he didn't drop the baby. He oh, let the baby go. Okay. <laughs> she dropped. Just not all the way to the ground. She didn't. Did she hurt herself? Nope. He 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 lets his baby go. Probably what eighteen months? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. 
lets the baby go, catches the foul ball in the air, gets his arm back under her butt, catches the baby, doesn't spill his beard. Not a drop. That may be the most athletic play the Diamondbacks have seen all year. <laughs> they need to, they need to <laughs> sign, sign him, him up. up. <laughs> Get this man a contract. No doubt. I, that blew me away. I thought this guy is going home with a foul ball and probably divorced. <laughs> Quite possibly. Because, my goodness. Yeah, of, of all the choices he could have made, you know, all things considered, he probably made the worst one. But it worked out. It did. Um, Let's do some, some, some statistical comparisons here before we get to Wild and Wacky. Shohei Otani through 77 games, 11 starts, 2.58 ERA, 59 innings pitched, 82 strikeouts, 31 walks. You said 11 starts? Through – through 77 games. Oh, oh, okay. So that's not this season. My bad. Go it ahead. is. It is this season. Oh, okay. But this is. I'm just trying to figure out he's made 11 starts and he's 3-1. and one. He's only got four decisions. Um, It's the Angels, man. <laughs> I, the Angels wow. have two of the best players in the world and mm. maybe the two best players in the world. And yet. 1919 Babe Ruth. 11 appearances, 10 starts, 3-5-6 ERA, 91 innings, only 14 strikeouts in 91 innings. Oh, good Lord. Issued 47 walks. He was pitching to contact. Clearly. <laughs> uh, that's how you go 91 innings. You don't get you don't run your pitch count up. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> get him out early. Yeah. Um, hitting, Ruth had a 316 batting average. Oh, I'm sorry, no. Ruth had 316 plate appearances. To 292 for Otani. Ruth hit 315 in those 316 plate appearances, Had a, but Otani has a 277 average. But mm-hmm. Otani hit 10 more home runs through 77 games, had 25 to, to, to Ruth's 15, and slugged 688 to Ruth's 619. The second coming of Babe Ruth, huh? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying he's better than Babe Ruth. <laughs> and. It's too bad that we're not going to see him in a full career because he played so long in Japan. Right. Anyway, let's take a break. It's Wild and Wacky Wednesday. When we come back, we give you the weirdest and wildest news from across the world on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Barn and Joint. Back to the Lee Company Studio right after this. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, the sports talk show you've always wanted. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Love when I'm laughing coming into Wild and Wacky because that means I found something pretty funny. (laughs) 
It is Wild and Wacky Wednesday. We give you the weirdest and wildest news from across the world, and happy to do so on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We are in the Lee Company studio in the Front Porch Sports headquarters of WKOM 1017 FM. Got, uh, got a lot to get to in this segment because... Lawson has some has some wild and wacky, but it does not pertain to Subway. Unfortunately, our <laughs> Subway run is over. I, I'm a little surprised you couldn't find any wild and wacky. I on? couldn't, okay. but I found the Florida man. Well, and uh, how hard was that? Not really, <laughs> yeah. but Much I think easier. it's pretty funny. All right, give us your wild and wacky. Whoa, there we go. Coming in hot. Yep. Um. So Marcus Brown, a 19 year old. Um. Was on the run in a manhunt from the police, and he was one of four that was on the run, and he was in North Carolina. Tries to get away with a stolen TV news car. Oh! Just went on, the reporter was right next to the car, got in, slammed on the gas, and... Got in a head-on collision with a police car, <laughs> thus ending the chase and getting him arrested. Oh man, that's tough right there. That's tough. He covered his own uh, high-speed pursuit, I'm sure. And it was on, and the pursuit that it was the second of the day lasted only about five minutes before the head-on collision. <laughs> mm. That's good. Okay. Uh, but yeah, news van. All right, here is the wildest wood that I could find from Berlin, Germany. You're going to start with the wildest one and work down? We are. We're, because this one is, this. Uh, after this, it all goes downhill. But, uh, I, well, it's from the Berlin Associated Press uh Bureau. Bureau. This is actually an Austrian man. An Austrian man was bitten by a python. I didn't think pythons bit. This one did. They're not poisonous. They do bite, but they're not poisonous. Okay. It's a good thing, too, because (laughs) apparently the reptile escaped from a neighbor's apartment and found his way to the drains. And when this guy got bit, guess where he was sitting? He got bit on the buttocks. Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, no. Oh. oh, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> he felt a nip oh, in the oh. area. <laughs> yeah, it was. Okay, I want you to understand this guy's 65 years old. It's 6 o'clock in the morning, and he sits down mm. to do his business and feels a nip in the area, not the buttocks. I don't understand what happens at that point. Like, what do you do at that point? Well, I'll say this. If you weren't awake, you are now. <laughs> he will not be getting at, his at sleep six back in the morning. On. No, no. He'll, no. He's hashtag team no sleep at this point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I did hear that art, that article on, on TV last night and stuff. And one of the things that they said to... The authorities came in, caught the snake, cleaned it, captured it, cleaned it, and returned it back to the owner. 
No. No. Now, no. you know, you're talking, what's involved in cleaning that snake coming I, out of there? I, I don't know, but <laughs> if, if I'm the 65-year-old who felt the nip, the owner doesn't get the snake no. back until after he gets out of the hospital. That's yeah, right. that's a you know, he gets the snake back in the form of a belt. No. <laughs> Some boots. Oh, yeah, that's a rough one right there. Man. Hey, uh, you know, we have parades down West 7th all the time, right? <laughs> and every year, Sands this year, there's typically a parade of tractors. Well, a woman in Texas wanted to join her town's 4th of July parade on her tractor. But it was kind of old and beat up, so they told her no. So so her tractor wasn't sexy, huh? <laughs> apparently not. Or John Deere Green. <laughs> oh, it may not have been. Uh, apparently it was, it was old and beat up. So parade officials said, sorry, you can't be in our parade. This 61-year-old woman does not take no for an answer. <laughs> so she just hopped in anyway. That's when the police decided that they would jump in out in Rockwell, Rockwall, Texas. And uh, Laurie Bostic was chased by the police, so she floored the truck. The tractor. What does that thing top out at? Uh, at you know, it, it's going at least 25. That, that high-speed chase. Um, she crashed into a fence, and now she's facing charges. There is footage uh, on the Internet, but there's a lot of F-bombs, so we can't play it on here. But uh, but she did have her American flag strapped to the, you know, because, hey, it's a free country. If I want to join my parade on the 4th of July, by God, I'm going to join the 4th of July parade in Rockwall, <laughs> Texas. America. I mean. <laughs> no, no, not America, America. If there's tractors <laughs> in the parade, why could she not be in the parade? Because her tractor wasn't sexy enough. Didn't, I didn't guess. meet the standard. Well, well. There you go. A lot of this could have been avoided. Just let her in the darn parade. Right. What what harm does it do? It's it's not old, it's vintage. <laughs> and it still runs. Anyway, police forced her off the road. She stopped, she hit a chain link fence, and she's facing charges for disorderly conduct, criminal mischief, evading arrest, and interfering with a processional. <laughs> interfering with a processional. Come on now. Wow. Ah, uh, here's my favorite one. This is this is this is not, it, it's animal related. Animal related. You ever been on Craigslist? Have you ever been on Craigslist, Lawson? A couple times. You oh, have. Okay, so you are familiar with. Okay, I, out of I, boredom. I, I'm surprised, but uh, on Craigslist you can pretty much find anything you need, mm-hmm. including a hitman. Something he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've heard of that. So, a man in California accused of hiring a hitman on Craigslist. Um, it was in McKinleyville, California, which is about five hours north of San Francisco. So this is definitely North California. Hey, yeah, it's um, nearly Oregon. <laughs> yeah, and he put a hit out on Craigslist saying, "Quote: The job is simple." Uh, he gave ex- instructions on how to find the target, and he added, "Please contact me so we can form a strategy to eliminate the target, and also agree on how much you will be compensated." The target? His wife? A peacock. What? That has invaded his neighborhood. <laughs> oh my God. 
the peacock was not was also shot and killed, by the way. And now the community, they want answers. They want this man punished. Um, the peacock showed up in the neighborhood a while back. Community embraced it. They fed it sourdough bread and cookies, gave it nicknames like Mr. P and Azul, um, which I only learned how to say recently on Fedora. Uh, <laughs> Azul. Um, you didn't take Hola, Spanish in high school? Daughter. I was actually, yes, I, I was a very good Spanish student. So, Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Just with a southern twang, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Um, because apparently the, the peacock was loud, so this guy got ticked. and yeah, they, they found it dead. Gunshot wound to the lower breast. Sad day. <laughs> this is guy sad. is getting, uh, he, he is, the community thinks they know who posted the ad, but the man says all they have against him is, quote, circumstantial evidence and won't comment until he talks to an attorney. Good job. That's a good idea. Shut up. <laughs> all I'm saying. Come back tomorrow, 9 o'clock. Same bat time, same bat channel. We'll also be down in Franklin County tomorrow on uh, 94.5 The Eagle. Again, WKOM 101.7 FM. Facebook, Twitter, sm-tnsports.com for the latest and uh, most comprehensive high school sports coverage in southern middle Tennessee. For Lawson Smith, the intern too, Coach Mike, the lustrous potentate, the Hall of Famer Mo Patton, I'm Chris Yao saying have a great day and stay cool, Columbia. Cool,